Welcome to Because I Said So, a podcast where we amplify youth voices and use age to better understand the world around us. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you find us. It really, really helps others find this podcast. I hope you guys enjoy. Hello, you beautiful people, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about a kind of hard topic, um, and one that I think is kind of, like, discussed a lot in media, but not really, like, it doesn't really get um, dove into a lot, and then I think that, like, we don't really fully understand, even though it's kind of, like, a term that I'm sure that you've heard a lot, and that is sex trafficking, and um, I was talking to some friends about it the other day, and, like, as we'll talk about and get into, it is something that is an incredibly serious issue, um, but I think that it's interesting when we talk about things like the prevalence of, um, the term, like, stranger danger and things like that, like, I think that we were kind of taught growing up and taught by things like TikTok and social media that this is something that just goes on in every street corner, um, but really it isn't, but however, I think that human trafficking and sex trafficking in general, um, really does happen in a broader scope than we think, um, even though it doesn't necessarily happen as often as we think, but there's just, like, a broader scope of things that fall into those umbrella terms, and so let's go ahead and get into it. So, as defined in the Trafficking Victims Protection Act of 2000, um, sex trafficking is the recruitment, harboring, transportation, provision, obtaining, patronizing, or soliciting of a person for the purpose of commercial sex act. And human trafficking, just for some history in general, began 1500 in the transatlantic slave trade. And I think that that's something that's really important to talk about when we talk about things like human trafficking and sex trafficking, because this sense of possession of a person and especially possession quote-unquote of minorities or just oppressing minority groups is something that's still very prevalent and forced immigration or trade of humans is still very prevalent and that's you know human trafficking and specifically sex trafficking are both modern day slavery and you'll hear them refer to that and that is one of the best ways that you can describe it but obviously, slavery was kind of the beginning of human trafficking. Um, and so the State Department says that fifteen between 15,000 and 50,000 women and girls are trafficked each year into the United States, and that's where kind of that forced immigration comes in. And it's, it's a really, really interesting and hard process that we'll get into because it creates a lot of stress for those people that were forced in via trafficking. Um, then when they get out and they get rescued, it makes it hard sometimes for them to find ways to remain in the United States, and oftentimes they're afraid to report sex traffickers because of their immigration status. But only two-thirds, sorry, only one-third of the victims are brought from immigration. Two-thirds of victims are from the U.S. So even though the total victim number is somewhere between 45,000 and 150,000 victims per year, um, on average, it's still relatively small overall compared to what I think that media might have us believe. Um, and again, that doesn't mean that the problem isn't 
serious because it definitely is but I was talking to a friend the other day who um whose mom had had a conversation with a woman who had sent this campaign to donate to sex trafficking the day after the Uvalde shooting and it kind of became this discussion of like well right now I feel like I'm going to put my money towards um gun violence and things like that and it was kind of became this morality thing of like well blah 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 blah. and it's like and that's not to say that either issue is less serious than one another because both of them are very very serious but in that context we were kind of talking about the way that I think that um people who are not as comfortable talking about an issue like gun violence and who are more proponents of gun rights might use it to like cover it up and that's really just a sidebar I just thought that was an interesting conversation it was something that we discussed um that was just a really interesting thing and kind of how with some political issues it's just interesting to look at the way that some people emphasize other ones over others and the way that that's contributed to by conflicting messages in media and so we were talking about basically like how the overstatement of how often this happens can be used to kind of subvert people's attention away from other issues that are also very prevalent and happen more often such as gun violence and again that's not to understate how important this issue is it's just to talk about an interesting nuanced part of the way that we discuss other social i mean other social issues and basically with human trafficking um when it it began again in the u.s and that is because colonies were mainly male and a lot of native women african slaves and poor european women were sex trafficked into the u.s and a lot of this was also enhanced by the power dynamic and we still see that contributing to sex trafficking today most of the time it is men sex trafficking women and we'll get into kind of later on the way that power dynamic and emotional manipulation and abuse gets into all of that but it's a very very nuanced system and one that i think is kind of misunderstood but getting into more of the history um prostitution then became legalized in more areas in the 1800s and the term white slavery was used to refer to white women being forced into prostitution kind of ignoring the longer history of oppressing minorities, women of minorities, into sex work. It was really only seen as a problem in the 1800s when white women started to move into that out of more necessity. And this was a really tangible sense of erasure of minority groups who had been trafficked previously, obviously. Um, And it led to the White Slave Traffic Act of 1910, which was also known as the Mann Act, which m-a-n-n not like man (laughs) um what it made that a felony to transport women across state borders for the purpose of prostitution or debauchery or any other immoral pleasure and i mean this obviously you can tell kind of by the name only applied to white women and um it was just i mean unsurprisingly in american history it's just kind of like another form a really tangible erasure of minority groups and of their struggle. Um, And later on, the the minority groups that were involved in um, sex trafficking were addressed, but they were really only addressed to prevent immigration. So there were quota acts and immigration acts um, used in the 1920s to kind of prevent some of the sex work 
that minority groups were forced into. But again, yeah, as you can tell by both like the names compared to like the White Slave Traffic Act, um, it really was not focusing on the issue of protecting the rights of minority groups. It was focusing on the issue of preventing what they thought of as quote-unquote foreigners or quote-unquote migrants, quote-unquote aliens. Um, those were all words kind of like used surrounding the discussion into America. And human trafficking in general, though, was not really considered a major issue until the 1990s. And when it became an issue in the 1990s, we saw a lot of political uproar around it. And this all led to the Trafficking and Violence Protection Act of 2000, which promoted education and enabled abilities for prevention or police intervention and other things. And it was also both globally and nationally. But this is where we see some of the problem with women who were brought in from other countries um, to be able to stay and to be able to have success reporting their traffickers because there was something instituted called the t-visa and the trafficking and violence protection act really outlined the ways that women could get a t-visa or any victim i don't mean to use the term women just to exclude other people who are sex trafficked it's just the overwhelming majority are young women but basically the steps that you have to take to get a t-visa made it very difficult to actually obtain it because first you had to prove or admit to being trafficked and second you had to prosecute the trafficker victims often didn't want to prosecute their trafficker whether that's fear whether that's trauma whether that's fear of their own immigration status and not really fully understanding the laws because a lot of the women these people went after were very vulnerable and often relied upon them in some way which again we'll get into more when we talk about the manipulation um but it just made them unable to get the visa and also made them unable to really prosecute the traffickers which kind of allows this to continue and in 2011 congress failed to reauthorize the act um and so it no longer exists in the same form that it did so that kind of gets it most of the kind of intense history behind sex trafficking and human trafficking in general um i think that some of that was definitely surprising but also like in the grand scheme of things i think when you really think about it not as surprising but i think that we don't often talk about the nuance of the conversation in equating slavery as kind of the beginning of human trafficking or at least that's not something that was brought up to me and that connection to like modern day times was not really made um when i was you know in high school or in any sort of classroom environment but now moving into more of like the types of sex trafficking and there are several different types and there are also several different methods of involvement that we'll get into in a second so the different types or the main types are prostitution pornography stripping live sex shows military prostitution and sex tourism and sex tourism because i feel like the other ones are pretty self-explanatory but sex tourism is like this organization of vacations with the purpose of taking advantage of the lack of restrictions imposed on prostitution and sexual activities by some foreign countries so kind of either taking girls to these foreign locations or kind of running an organization where they bring certain people who are looking for a sexual experience into these countries where they host these women and the methods of involvement are commercial sexual exploitation of children so kind of child sex trafficking pimp controlled trafficking where it's done by like one specific trafficker or what they call like a pimp gang trafficking which is not just like affiliated with gangs but also like 
a kind of like a gang of traffickers but you know more often than not that is like related to gangs because there is a lot of money um which we'll get into in terms of there was a good quote in the documentary that I'll bring up in a minute but basically the woman said you know with drugs and selling drugs you sell the drugs once and they're gone with sex trafficking you can use the same woman over and over multiple times in a day and so oftentimes it is something used by gangs in order to make more money survival sex which i think that we don't talk about enough as a form of sex trafficking but it's basically when people feel that it is necessary for them to survive and so they feel like they must make their bodies a commodity um due to the way that the society works in order to survive and there's also familial trafficking um done by family members and then lastly mail order brides who believe they're coming for marriage and get looped into the sex trafficking rings and again we've seen more things pop up about it on tiktok and social media um but i don't want to i mean again while it is a serious issue um it i think is sometimes overstated and i don't want there to be this intense fear-mongering it's overall less likely that you would get like randomly kidnapped and brought in to a, a sex trafficking ring um than if you were emotionally manipulated online and formed a relationship with these people which we'll get into more of an specific story about that later when we get into the documentary by pbs which is really really eye-opening and incredible and i will link it in case you guys want to listen to it but um i just don't want i mean the things such as like zip ties and stuff like marking your car overall that's very unlikely that that would happen that is just not the main way that traffickers get their victims especially because again as like we'll bring up in the documentary um victims have a lot more kind of autonomy than someone who is just straight up kidnapped to escape they're often left alone in hotel rooms and so it's more important for the traffickers to make an emotional kind of like trap for their victims so that they will stay but there are some things to look out for especially when it comes to relationships um as victims are often bonded with and then groomed and also i mean traffickers tend to go after minority groups Um, the most common groups that are gone after are american indian or like native communities lesbian gay bisexual transgender queer um lgbtq plus individuals individuals with disabilities undocumented immigrants runaway and homeless youth guest workers low-income individuals basically any minorities or oppressed groups and now to get a little bit more into the pbs documentary which i think will kind of solidify most of the things that we've talked about but also just give a little bit more information about all of it and if you want to look into it the documentary is called sex trafficking in america um and it's a pbs frontline documentary but basically the documentary kind of tells the story of Kat, who is a young girl who was abducted by a sex trafficker under the guise of helping her run away from home after they met online and he found out about her tumultuous home life and then she became a victim of sex trafficking for about a week i believe before being found by police and basically they were tipped off um when a woman found her or i guess saw her outside of a hotel room and became suspicious um and some of the big takeaways that i had from the pbs documentary that kind of helped shape or at least like tear down some of the stereotypes that i think we have about sex trafficking i think that sex trafficking is often talked about kind of like kidnapping and it's 
at least from this documentary and from what I've learned from other sources, it seems like it's quite different. Um, they talked about how a lot of times it's mainly found online and in apps and kind of speak on the way that we're viewed as products of these things. And I mean, if you've seen or heard some of the other things about like, um, just social media and I can't remember the specific documentary on Netflix, but I think the social network, something like that. And they talk about how online we are viewed as products. We often think that we are the ones shopping for products, but we are looked at as products and our data and our information is often looked at as products. And this is very, very true. And they stress the importance of like cyber safety and these things, but also just like not trusting everyone you meet online. And they make the point, again, like I said earlier, that with drugs or other items, they're used once. But humans can be reused over and over and over. And so oftentimes, um, sex trafficking is looked at as just a way to make these increasing amounts of money. And how it's becoming a very much a growing problem because of this way that people are reusable in a way that substances and quantities often aren't. And I think that that was a really, really striking thing because it involves such a level of dehumanization. And one thing that they talked about in it was that they could never forgive um, or have empathy for any of the sex traffickers that did these things. And I think it brings up an important notion that I've learned in friendships and relationships. And granted, no one has ever done anything like that. But I think that they were kind of getting at the point that no matter what trauma or what reasoning or what life experience has brought someone to do something, there's a certain level where you can understand that what they've done and whatever has caused them to do this thing, you can have, make space and make have grace for all of that, but you can understand that whatever they've done has had such a negative consequence that you cannot forgive them. And I think that that is kind of a broader human experience, especially for me as someone who often likes to make excuses for why certain behaviors have done certain things and forgive people. And that's kind of just more of a tangential thing, but I think that it's an interesting concept of just like allowing freedom that you can understand why something may have happened in somebody's life. Like say that these people, this traffickers were in poverty, but also understand that this is no excuse for what they've done, you know? And I just thought it was an interesting um, kind of philosophical argument on like forgiveness in general um understanding human capacity when they talked about how the people who were most apologetic for what they've done later and how they still didn't have that empathy for them and I just thought it was a very very interesting thing it was something that I'd pondered and they talked about also um kind of like moving into this how sex trafficking things like big sporting events they often usually mean that traffickers are bringing their victims expecting a large amount of customers due to partying and drinking and all of these things and I think that that was interesting to me because it kind of goes back to like the stranger danger thing in the way that I think we view it a lot as kidnapping because I remember when I was younger when we went to things like the fourth of July parade or like all these big events downtown my mom would often tell me to like stay safe with her because she didn't want me to get trafficked or things like that and that's just kind of like another misconception I think that we have about these things and that really that's not what it is like and they are bringing their victims there for, quote-unquote, work, even though it's not work, obviously, um, forced labor. But I thought that that was a very, very interesting point made. But they also talked about, in the sense of, like, 
I think that a lot of times the way that we go at these things is criminalize, criminalizing prostitution because they have hard, such a hard time capturing the traffickers due to the lack of reporting. I think that they said only 27% of victims participate in court. So it's really hard to bring traffickers to justice. And again, that's because a lot of them are in minority groups. And not only is there just like generational trauma in terms of police forces and the court systems in general, but also just like it's a very traumatic thing to prosecute someone, especially in a sex crime. And so they were talking about when we criminalize prostitution, that affects victims and doesn't stop traffickers. It blames the victims and does not really treat the problem and how we need to go after the trafficker and not the trafficked and how criminalizing prostitution actually only further prevents um, victims from talking about this and prosecuting their traffickers because it makes them feel further that they will get in trouble um, by going after their traffickers in court because they feel like they're the ones that have done the thing that is quote-unquote wrong or that they will be viewed as an accomplice and um they also talked about there are like these large black market websites that have come into play as sites like ebay sites like craigslist have gotten a little bit more notice of these things and um have kind of like stepped away from them but I also wanted to emphasize again that it, it isn't the idea that we promote of someone getting kidnapped and pleading to get away and there's a lot of psychological manipulation mainly are recruited on sites and I know specifically in this young girl Kat's case they had talked to her about all of the problems that were going on in her life with her family they told her that they would help her escape and that they would help her drive up to a place that she was going um and just help her out and then after they told her that they weren't going to take her where she was going and kind of did, in a sense, kidnap her after she um, had gotten in their vehicle, it, her and other victims had talked about the way that they felt that they had these emotional and mental handcuffs more than anything physical. They had talked about kind of the ways that they felt like they could physically escape, but they were told nobody would love them again, that there was no, like, life beyond this. And it was kind of like this series of, like, love bombing and sometimes in some ways and I know there's also a lot of domestic trafficking as well um there's a lot of drug related trafficking um and there's just all of these things that kind of make it feel like a necessity and it was it was just a very very eye-opening thing because again I think that the way that we've been taught to view it is like it's something that you really have to watch out for a stranger danger things like that and while it is in a sense it's really more often this slow burn of this emotional manipulation but what they were saying about the black market sites and social media is that the internet has made it so much worse because it creates this intense level of access and invasiveness as well as control um i've seen other documentaries kind of talking about how there are people that have hacked into young girls things or sometimes exploited them to get new photos of them and kind of this just manipulation and this ability to get so much more control and information and really feel like someone knows you it is very very concerning just thing and things that have devolved and they were talking about just how much the uptick in sex trafficking has gone on with the increase of social media it just makes everyone so much more accessible it makes it really easy to find victims really easy to talk to them really easy to find them physically as well um and it was just, it was a really, really eye-opening thing. I would highly recommend it. I'm going to link all of the different sources down below. And obviously, this does not cover everything about sex trafficking, but it does just give a very small deep dive. I would 
absolutely look into more resources that tell about victims. There are also funds, there are houses that help victims, because obviously after something like this, you need so much emotional support. And in the documentary, they talked about Kat's kind of process of prosecution, about how there were continuing things going on because some of the people weren't taking plea deals and things like that, and how she almost gave up. And she seemed, though, she was one of the most resolute people the prosecutors had ever talked to about prosecuting her traffickers. And I think that that was just a really, really startling and hard thing to swallow because they were basically saying if the victim doesn't want to prosecute, they can't prosecute. They have to have legal standing to prosecute. And so if she didn't want to prosecute, they couldn't. And um, it, it's just a really, really hard thing to see because it shows kind of this continuing pain placed on the victims, even after all of this is over, to have them relive and to have them deal with this. And so I think that while this is something that's hard to mitigate and that I know that a lot of people are striving to mitigate, um, I think that it's important to kind of just learn and make space for these stories and to be aware of how hard these issues are and to be aware of kind of the truth behind them and I think that we can do that by learning the stories of people who've dealt with it by listening to them by hearing them and heeding their warnings um by learning from people who prosecute by donating again to help people and yeah just by loving the people that are in front of us and so thank you guys so much for listening I hope that this was informative in some capacity for you guys and I'll see you again on the next episode thank you